0: Too. Oh, yeah, I'm a talk radio head,
1: man. Oh, the talk radio Howard Stern, man. I'll, I'll uh, turn on the old school popular shows on there every so often just to get a good kick, man. And totally and just listening in general is a skill. And whenever you're not used to listening to somebody talk in depth about things, that goes away, man. You get distracted so much easier. I mean, I got ADHD up the butt, man. Like I had my whole life, <laughs> and uh, consistently listening to somebody talk, it's like reading a book. You know, uh,
0: that's a good point.
1: Yeah, it's like reading a book. You, you get out of whack with reading a book. You don't have any motivation to to read a book. You can get into it, maybe a couple chapters, and you're like. Uh, I'll put it down for the night. Don't pick it up. It's the same thing with communication, verbal communication, especially whenever you're going in depth about something. It's it's interesting to really
0: shut off all the distractions. It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge, mm-hmm. and people are not good at it. I no. mean, the one, my one cranky old man thing I always say is that the new generation just stinks at having conversations. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do is guide tours, and I notice when I travel with older people, in their forties, fifties, going up seventies. They're really good. You sit down at dinner. They look you in the eye. They want to talk to you, find out about you. Likewise, you ask them questions. They have stories. Mm-hmm. You sit down with people in their 20s. You're lucky if they'll even notice you're there.
1: Oh, I know. Trust, but, me. You know? Trust How you? me. How old are you? 23. Okay. So, so I, this is your generation. Yeah, party. <laughs> it, it's my generation, man. And, you know, the, the best hangouts are always the ones you just got the music in the back where you hanging out talking and you're not really on your phone you know you guys are just you're cutting up with all your buddies and then next thing you know you got music in the background so you can always kind of rely on that to keep the stimulation going in your brain
0: oh that's you've come up with these tactics for oh your friends.
1: 100% <laughs> man 100% and and then like if, if all else fails or you know you're in the middle of a conversation and something happens you're like Oh man, listen to this part. You know what I'm saying? If you, I don't know. I I take a good example of Pink Floyd, Animals, uh, Dogs. Right? Great song, super long song. It's a safe thing to put on because it's a 17 minute song, right? But whenever you hear that that build up and then that guitar just come in, then
0: it's just a second to pause and be like, "Oh shit, here we go." You know? And and you then, might be onto something because the a lot of times when conversations pause, I notice then people go for their phone. Mm -hmm. So if there's something else in the room, like a little bit of music where you notice, okay, there's going to be a pause and a subject change. Mm -hmm. Instead of people going for the phone, you can still reference something that's present. Yeah. And keep the people in the room before they go off in outer space. Oh, a
1: hundred percent too. And also, I mean, if it's something that you both enjoy listening to, can go back and forth like oh let me put you on this song let me put you on this song i'll cue this one up next hey man uh check this part out like this part's the best freaking part of the song you know 17
0: minutes that sounds like a good makeout song hey uh, (laughs) yeah 17 minutes
1: hey man half of it's just instrumental too so you know (laughs) are you pretty into music love music man Uh, i've been see i i grew up kind of all over the southeast yeah what's your accent from i i don't know Okay. I, so, you listen to my mother talk, and she has the thickest southern sweet lady accent you'll ever hear in your life. You just want to give her a big hug whenever you hear her talk. Oh. The people out here ate her up whenever she came. So, she's coming back in October. I'll bring her to work, you know, but uh, butter the bread a little butter, bit, butter the bread a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I, I don't notice it, but other people do. They're like, geez, she is southern, and I'm like, yeah, she is. Where is she from? She's from Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, so that's that's kind of where the whole family's from Memphis, Tennessee, and then. Growing up, my dad had a, a job, Hallmark Corporate, so we moved all over the all over the place. Out Hallmark east. greeting cards. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was in the the height of all that, you know, early 2000s. We was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Moved to Tyler, Texas, when he got that first initial job, and then we moved to Tampa, Florida, for quite a while. Uh, moved up to Chicago, Illinois, from there, back to Tampa, Florida um, then moved to Memphis, Tennessee. All with Hallmark? Yes, all with Hallmark. Wow. No, uh, we, we moved around a little bit because, you know, he was, he was climbing the company ladder and everything. 2008 hit. Everybody knows how 2008 is. Uh, we were in Chicago at that point and he had something else lined up because he didn't want to get laid off because, I mean, 2008, everybody knows about that year. And, uh, we moved back to Tampa, Florida, lived there for a majority of my middle school years and then, um, After that, we moved back home to Memphis, Tennessee, just to be closer to the family. I think that's where my parents kind of wanted to tie their roots for this point in their life, you know, as my grandparents get older, uh, stuff like that. And after that, uh, joined the Air Force right out of high school, so left for training when I was 18 years old, had to get out of the house, you know, had to be on my own, always kind of wanted to do things on
0: my own and um, that was the opportunity for that so to get out and go yep i know hallmark's still around but are they still doing well greeting cards i mean i still send people cards but i, I don't does imagine the new generation
1: do it i don't know it, it's it's one of those things like local news ah. it's the audience that watches you got the hallmark channel
0: Think about my mom loves the Hallmark yes, Channel. exactly. She's a 70-something-year-old woman, mm-hmm. and that's something she'll put on in the background during the day when she's doing chores or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Christmas time, she loves it because they have all the cheesy Christmas Hallmark movies, yes. and my sister and I make good fun of her for it. Mm-hmm. But she loves it. Yeah, they,
1: they have other streams of revenue. I believe Hallmark at one point don't quote me on this, but I know at one point they owned Crayola, so that's a consistent, you know, revenue source. Mm, I mean I didn't realize that. Older people are gonna continue to buy cards. A lot of younger people nowadays, personally, like I, I do like sending a card to the right person, but I know that if I were to send a card to one of my friends that's my age, it wouldn't mean any more than me talking on the phone for twenty minutes or and sending catching a text. up exactly yeah. sending a text, but I don't know. It's I'd say it's kind of a middle ground between a text and conversation. You know, somebody's birthday or in, a, in an event. You you want to personally? I want to call them. I want to hear about it. yeah learn a little bit you know get some insight
0: well i want to get into your journey about how you left there and ended up here in the grand valley but i don't want to bury the lead because the way i met you or found out about you is you started doing the wine weather wednesdays Mm -hmm. in palisade Mm -hmm. and it seems like you're a relatively new weatherman here in the valley super interested to hear all about that lifestyle But what is Wine Weather Wednesday? Today is Wednesday. You're not doing it today. You said with Wine Fest coming up. Yeah, Wine Fest. It
1: was just too crazy with scheduling. Hard to get somebody. And you know, I don't want to put any any burden on somebody like oh they got to be here so on so it's a crazy week in palisade and, and every single vineyard owner i know wants to get the most out of this
0: week of course it's and like the
1: super bowl for wine exactly exactly so is this know, a new
0: segment you came up with i saw you were mm-hmm. at the talbots you went to restoration several others yeah
1: i started with restoration it was uh kind of my own idea whenever i came out i love wine and I found out before I moved here that this is Colorado's wine country. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then the more that I did some research, we have a very interesting microclimate here that is only specific to this place and in Palisade in general. And then I started learning more as I met people. And I started realizing this is where entrepreneurs are. This is where people that get their hands dirty every day work. And whenever they get their hands dirty, it just means more. You are putting your blood, sweat, and tears into your work. And that is one of the things that really sets apart this place from other places, especially with the wine culture, because you have huge vineyards in Napa, in Northern California, but it doesn't have that same taste, not necessarily because of the climate, but I think because of the thought and the work that goes into it. And I think that is really special here because I mean, every single vineyard that I've been to, they all tell me, yeah, we work half days around here talking about working twelve hour days. Wow. So that's yeah. that's the
0: ongoing joke apparently with being a wine grower and That's the blessing area. and the yeah. curse of Palisade. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place. A lot of hard work goes into it as yeah. well. Yeah. So how did you come up with the idea for wine wet like what does that wine have to do with the weather? Was this just a way to promote the valley and do something interesting, trying well, to make weather more fun?
1: I'm I'm fairly new to the world of meteorology. I just graduated with my degree back in May. So, Oh, wow. I, exactly. I, I'm learning every single day. And I figured this is a great way to learn about something that I love with something that I love even more. So I love wine, but I love the weather too. So I wanted to be able to combine the two because there obviously has to be something very specific about the weather here that makes this actually be able to happen. And I just decided I ran it to my sales team. They
0: said, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Got the sponsor. Is that how it works in the biz? If you want to do a segment, you need to find someone to sponsor it? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm working on a segment for
1: after this when ski season starts up. I think I'm – I don't know how to ski, but I'm going to try to learn. So we're sponsoring – we're sponsored by – powder horns So I'm going to try to do join this week for uh, meteorologist Barrett Vincent going out to learn how to ski, and I'm going to try to like learn a new technique every week, do a little video on it, have some
0: GoPros, uh, stuff like that. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and then super do the super cool for you too because you get mm-hmm. to make your job fun and exactly. go shoot on location and exactly. things like that. But the stations typically wouldn't have the funding to do these kind of segments outside the studio.
1: Um, not necessarily, especially in a small market like this it's very community based and ran and it's interesting because a little town like Grand Junction has its own news station. Yeah. You're getting high school updates with with sports and and local news. This stuff really matters to people here. People take pride in living here and I think that's why the news stations are so uh just well known here and I mean it's it's a great opportunity as well, just starting out here out of other places, you know, I told myself I wasn't really planning on going into news after I graduated, but you start out somewhere and you're not going to make much. But I said, all right, I'm fine with that if I can live somewhere that I would get a lot out
0: of and that I would enjoy living. Yeah. And I got the call and here I am. You studied meteorology, though. Mm-hmm. What other path would you have taken other than go into news? Well, I would have
1: probably done full-time Air Force, so... I'm kind of coming up on the, my sixth year in the military. Joined right out of high school when I was 18. So I was just going to go ahead and do that. I was working for the Hurricane Hunters at the time down in Keesler. Uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, Keesler Air Force Base. So. What is that? Hurricane hunters. Oh, well, they're, they're hurricane hunters. They fly into Storm hurricanes. Storm chasers? They, they, they fly into them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're massive C 130s that uh, fly into hurricanes and they drop these drop zones. They're like this tube and it measures pressure, wind direction, wind speed, uh, dew point. Have you seen the movie Twister?
0: I have, indeed. Like when they put that little canister in the tornado and all the things fly up? Similar. Is that? like Similar. I mean, not that, but that's the vibe they're going for, to measure all those things inside the tornado or the hurricane. So the way that we
1: get our information, we launch balloons up into the atmosphere. They're weather balloons. The National Weather Service launches these balloons, and they rise and they get uh, the different readings. Dew point, environmental temperature, you're reading wind direction, wind speed. But it rises from the surface. You can't do that with a storm that's developing quite rapidly over the ocean. Right. So they fly above it, and they drop the suns into the storm. So it's the same concept, same exact thing. It's just they're dropping it from the top instead of relying on the balloon to carry it
0: up. And they're so far above the storm that the air is calm, and they're looking down on it. No, uh, kind of,
1: kind of. <laughs> they they get they get it kind of in there. Um, I never got the opportunity to really go on one of those flights. I did a uh, few atmospheric rivers. Uh, that's a uh, weather phenomenon in the west, northwest, that really relies on atmospheric river moisture to get them out of droughts for those seasons. It's basically a gigantic river of moisture in the atmosphere over the Pacific Ocean that... Contributes to uh, increased rain and just overall moisture being moved into the northwest to get them out of those drier conditions. Uh, hmm. It's a pretty interesting phenomenon. It's, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was like 20 times more water than the Mississippi River. Wow. Something like that. That's uh, crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And how did you get involved? You enroll right out of high school and you immediately get into meteorology? So the way that I. I,
1: I've i always wanted to be a weatherman my whole life. Why? I just because I thought it would be interesting and fun, and I grew up all over the southeast, so we had hurricane seasons in the, my time that I was in Tampa, and then moving to Chicago, Illinois, we had blizzards, and I was just taken away by that. It was such a crazy thing that the weather can impact so many different things that... You know, your, your power goes out for a week. As a kid, you're like, oh, heck yeah, the power's out. We get to eat Pop-Tarts all week, you know, uh, and get to sleep in the closet. Like, it's it's crazy. And then um, being m- mostly in the south in my earlier years, moving up north and seeing that blizzard and looking outside and not having to go to school because it's a snow day. Totally yeah that's like I mean, the best day of your life, yeah, when you're a kid, yes, and then uh my parents, we'd always watch the news after we ate dinner as a kid, just in general, one of those things. I think a lot of people my age kind of grew up doing that with their parents definitely, and I always liked watching the weather, man, yeah, what did you like about it I, th- I thought the, I thought the
0: pictures were cool,
1: their vibe, I mean, they were talking about science, yeah, they don't really talk about much science on the news, that's true. So yeah. it's it's a little science lesson about something that you can apply. That's a great part about being a meteorologist and studying weather is that I can look at data from whatever balloon is launched that day at that hour. And then I can see all of the statistics and I can see what it's measuring. I can compare the environmental temperature to the dew point and see how dry it is. Okay, I'm looking at all that data, but then I get to go outside and I can see it. And I can verify that data and I can really get an understanding of what's actually going on. It's an applied science. It's not like I'm plugging and chugging equations and looking at numbers. I mean, you're seeing the thermodynamics of the atmosphere every single time you look up into the sky. And uh, I mean, that's... Just the main thing. It's you can wrap your mind around it. It's super
0: applied science. It is. It's not I mean it, there's a lot of theory, but then mm-hmm. like you're saying, you can really apply it mm-hmm. and see it right in front of you exactly. when you're matching the numbers. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a good point as a kid, that childhood wonder. I kinda still have that now about the weather. Mm-hmm. Just how we live in such a thin band of existence. Yes. Right? And you have all these super storms, for lack of a better word, whether <laughs> there's snow or rain. That just wipe us out without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, being out here, how strong the sun is. Yes. It's just like it really puts you in touch with your environment when you start noticing the weather and studying and observing the weather. Mm -hmm. It impacts all of us every day, but it's easy to just dismiss or not really think about. You're like, okay, it's hot or it's cold, Mm -hmm. right? Like, how do you hear the common folk just describe the weather, right? Like, oh, it's another hot week. Oh, is it going to rain? I hope (laughs) you get it
1: right this time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, why
0: do weathermen suck? Yeah, right, right.
1: Well, there's a whole lot that goes into it. But, you know, if I could get a dollar the amount of times I've heard the joke, hey, man, you can screw up your job as many times as you want still keep it. Totally. Isn't that kind of true, though? Debunking a a forecast, oh, yeah. I mean, it's – like is there any It's hard to predict the weather and right. uh, I mean it, it, there's so much that goes into it and one of the main things is is just time you know I mean I'm not really focusing specifically on the whole spectrum of everything whenever I'm presenting a forecast I'm going to have consistent temperatures for this time of year based on statistical averages and the constants. Temperature forecasting is incredibly difficult, and you have to live somewhere for quite a while to really get the scope of it because you're dealing with different elevation. And you have so many different microclimates, too. Our climate here is completely different than Montrose, Delta. Mm. You know, Grand the Grand Valley is quite interesting because we have... S- such dry air but we get decent amount of rain every single year and the winds here are quite interesting as well i mean you get precipitation accumulating in the atmosphere and it starts to rain but with all that dryness in the valley all of it evaporates all of that energy energy cannot be created nor destroyed uh, so you have that rain falling and it's going to evaporate before it reaches the surface For how with how dry it is in this valley. And we get gusty outflow winds. And it's just one of those things. You get diurnal changes with temperature. So we get winds off of the mountains. As the higher elevation gets a little bit more sunlight on those high sun angle days, you get what's called a thermal low. Because that temperature on that mountain is going to be a lot higher, creating a thermal low, That's going to cause a difference in pressure from the valley having a higher pressure than that thermal low up the mountain. So then we're getting winds. The air shifts. The air shifts, yeah. Yeah. And then at nighttime, that is going to rapidly cool on the mountain because it's a higher elevation. So it's going to rapidly cool, and then it flip-flops, and then we get that... Breeze off of the mountain. That's that cooler air at night. So the temperature diversity here and variability is quite interesting from daytime and nighttime.
0: Just one example. You Did know, you have to study all this before you came, or prove a knowledge of this when you get hired? What, how, how does it work? Or you get hired into a region, and then it's like, okay, now you you take the time to learn about it.
1: Well, it's it's a college course. You know, I got my degree in meteorology, yeah. and I mean, they give you the basics of everything, but.
0: Uh, but applying it to applying certain areas. Right? Applying to certain I mean, areas. Weathermen around the world, right? You could do it in Florida, you could do it here, mm-hmm. you could do it in Hawaii, up in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, there's so many different climates. It's it's time.
1: And and that's why I said I don't focus on temperature. I focus on if it's gonna rain. You know, I'm focusing on convection and thunderstorm development. You know what I'm saying? Because I can I can rely on temperature to be consistent with my statistics. statistics and the information that i have from the national weather service
0: so that's where all the info comes Mm -hmm. the national weather service and they have a weather balloon in this area at Mm -hmm. all times so they launch one at 0z and 12z zulu time
1: uh it's the aviation time just universally used throughout the entire uh world for aviation just one of those things you got to convert it uh it's about five hours ahead of what we are
0: now. so. this is every day they launch a balloon? Every
1: day they launch two balloons at 0Z and 12Z, and it uh, launches up into the atmosphere, collects your dew point, your temperature, and, of course, dew point is where condensation occurs. So saturation. As you go up into the atmosphere, usually there is a cloud base, right? So you can look up at clouds, and it's going to be pretty flat on the bottom. That's what you're called that lifting condensation level, and that's where condensation occurs. So when that environmental temperature where it that environmental temperature what it actually is reaches that dew point, that dew point's just a measure of where condensation occurs.
0: So Right, the temperature at which it would occur. Yeah, the temperature. Yeah. And as soon as they meet, condensation occurs, clouds start to form. So So if there's a small difference between the surface temperature and the dew point, you know it's low clouds. Yes, and if it's a large difference, and you could say, "Oh, there's probably no clouds because mm-hmm. the condensation would be too high to form." Yeah, yeah. It's it's called a,
1: a skew T-log P. So we skew temperature and pressure changes logarithmically. So as you uh, go up into the atmosphere, your temperature is going to decrease because you're getting cooler. You're getting away from the Earth's surface. The Earth's surface is what is the heat source traps the energy you you get all of that sunlight it's called shortwave radiation you get shortwave radiation to the surface and then the surface is what we get our heat from so that's where we're getting in those upper 90s uh we have clear skies so we're getting a lot more of that surface heating and then that gives us Long wave radiation from the surface of the Earth. And that long wave radiation is what we really feel. It's called sensible heat. Just one of the forms of heat that you have latent heat with phase changes, uh, so condensation, evaporation. That's going to be those kind of dealing with different moisture values. Those are that's that's latent heat, and then you're dealing
0: with sensible heat, what you actually feel. So, was it surprising to you? I got a buddy who loves the weather. <laughs> he got me into weather many years ago. He's obsessed with it. And he started to major in meteorology but was so surprised by literally everything you just said. He was fascinated by the big storms and watching the weatherman. And then he got into the class and he's like, holy crap, there's so much math, so many complex equations Mm -hmm. and terms and latent heat and this and all that. And it just lost its fun for him, I guess. Yeah. Did you know that going into school that it was going to be this rigorous scientific method? I did. I did. Uh,
1: We had to take plenty of calculus courses, physics, uh, atmospheric thermodynamics. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you can conceptualize what you're learning, I think anybody can do it you know what I'm saying? It's it's conceptualizing things. That's my job is to help people conceptualize what's going on with the weather. And I mean, if you are working on an equation, say you're taking a derivative or you're doing an integral, what is an integral? What are we calculating? You're calculating what is in the space between that curve. You can look at it. You can figure out how much space is your, your shoes taking up by just knowing what an integral is. And it's, it's defining these things and being able to conceptualize these things. And same thing with physics. I mean, you have laws of motion and you hit that gas, you're accelerating, right? So can I picture that acceleration whenever I'm doing the equation? Can I apply it? And I think that's one of the main things that really open my eyes to a lot of mathematics and sciences, just in general, is the application of it. And then moving on to that, if you can conceptualize those things, you can conceptualize so much because it's just the way that things work. And whenever you can conceptualize how the things work, the, the way things work, you get just a completely different understanding. You can think about troubleshooting. You know, oh, man, this is not working. What What's going on? You know, start troubleshooting. Um, just in general, it's, it's all the con- conceptualization of things. And that's why the weather, I think, is so interesting because – Like I said earlier, you see it. It's right there. You can conceptualize all of those equations. You can conceptualize that first law of thermodynamics just by knowing what's going on in the atmosphere. And the first law of thermodynamics is extremely hard to wrap your mind around. But you relate it to the weather. Energy is neither
0: created or destroyed. Is that Mm -hmm. the first law? Uh,
1: First law is going to be the change in energy is equal to the uh, change in heat minus the work done. So the work done is what the atmosphere is doing, trying to balance out, create that equilibrium. Initially, thermodynamics is just equilibrium, trying to equalize everything out. And uh, that's all the atmosphere is doing whenever you're seeing any kind of weather phenomenon. It's trying to balance out. It's trying to reach that equilibrium. Mm. So it's quite interesting
0: and it's quite satisfying because you're resolving the issue with the weather. And is this what you were doing for the hurricane hunters? They would go out and get the data, and then you would analyze it to try and predict its path?
1: (laughs) No, actually, uh, completely different. I work a blue-collar job for the Air Force, so I'm a mechanic. Oh, I deal with aircraft electrical environmental systems, so pressurization, air conditioning, anything that has a wire to it. We do, like, fire and overheat protection, just... A bunch of random things that deals with electrical current, and then and the environmental side, pressurization in the cabin, making sure that you know you can live in the plane while it's up in an a and high altitude stuff like that. Okay.
0: So. Uh, but were you majoring in meteorology at that mm-hmm. time? And All I right. was majoring in meteorology. Wow, at that that's time. a lot to do. So to like focus on that kind of mechanic work, and then also the weather.
1: Well, uh, you know the worst part about being an airplane mechanic. It's not because of everything being so compact, and I have big hands, so it's hard to turn screw sometimes, but when you're troubleshooting or something's messed up, those systems are pretty complex, so you don't get a break. You go home, and you're like, hmm, I wonder what I need to check today or tomorrow when I get into work, you know? Oh, man, I'll do this tomorrow, you know? That's what it is, and you don't get a break from that, but I was lucky enough to just be in the reserve while I was in school. And then I would do, uh, like, active duty orders during the summertime just so I could save up that money, be a part of the mission. Yeah. Flying into hurricanes, that's pretty cool. Not a lot of people get to do that, especially young meteorologists aspiring to, you know, just learn. And, I mean, you using those resources was really good. And how did you end up out here in the Grand Valley? Well, I was planning on... Doing Air Force full time after I graduated because the money was good. And um, I just applied to some jobs on LinkedIn of places that I thought would be really interesting and lived all over the eastern side of the United States. So Colorado had a little bit of a calling. And then um, just a couple weeks after I applied to the job, I was starting to forget about that I even applied to the job. My news director called me and she chatted with me for a little bit. Eventually, she offered me the job. And she mentioned she hired a new sports guy. So in that in that uh, in that offer I said, hey, "Let me let me call the sports guy that you just hired real quick." So I called him up and he was like, "Hey man, I just got the job too. I signed a two bedroom apartment lease trying to find a roommate." So oh. I figured out in one day where my job was going to be and where I'm going to live. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I called my mom right after that. I said, "Mom, I'm moving to Colorado in a couple of weeks." So so exciting. And this was just in
0: May. This just in May. Or, yeah. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you're literally brand new. brand new. Had you had on-camera experience? Not before? really. We really? had uh we we had a green
1: screen in in college in college it was in the climate lab, but I mean you you, you either have it or you don't whenever you're starting out. Yeah. I definitely did not have it. No? No, not really. I mean, I can talk and talk to a camera and everything, but you're pointing on a screen and a green screen. You don't know what you're pointing at. Your hands are going all over
0: the place. Uh, I always thought that was the coolest thing about the weatherman. They could draw on the green screen uh-huh. you know, and draw on the map that you would see is from the TV. Mm-hmm. But you never had any practice doing that in school? or I,
1: I did a little bit, but, I mean, it wasn't like a job. It was maybe like once a week. Oh, wow. How's it going for you? It's going great. I yeah, love my I feel job. comfortable. Yeah, I'm getting better every day I'm trying to knock down the, the news voice. You can really just start hearing it here <laughs> if I start talking in my news voice. you got to control your breathing and try not to draw things out. You know, make sure that you're talking clear. It's You get me start talking about the weather and I'll really start talking
0: in this voice. But uh, uh, it is what it is. Switch on a persona or something. <laughs> well, you get ready, right? You do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I saw on your Instagram that you – You're a new personality in town, let's say, Mm -hmm. and you want to grow yourself i guess mm-hmm. so you did a day in the life video i did do a day in life yes and when i think of the weatherman i always think of somebody who is working at night like on the nightly news you talk about watching the news with your family but you actually get up you said at 3 a.m in the morning 3 a.m in the morning that's wow. correct yeah. So, yeah take us through your typical day so what are you up
1: to usually get up uh between 2 30 and 3 o'clock depending on the weather for the day if it's you know pretty consistent i'll wake up at three get a little extra few minutes but if there's potential for showers i'll get there early and really try to break down what i have for the day get to work around you know three o'clock in the morning and just sip my coffee read you know look at different models and then uh, eventually the music will come on i'll start playing some music having myself up throw the suit and tie on and then we go live from 5 a.m to 7 a.m and it's just straight news that whole entire time so in between that i'm Kind of paying attention to the news, zoning it out at sometimes. You know, I mean, it's early in the morning, so <laughs> you're like a fighter getting ready for a fight. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You gotta. I, I I really try to hype myself up before I
0: get on air because if not, I mean, at five in the morning, you'll be able to tell if I didn't hype myself up before. Yeah, news morning crews are amazing. Mm-hmm. I've just been on as a guest in previous lives and. I'm like holy shit! I'm on here at 6 a.m. I'm like oh, barely yeah. awake, and you're sp- and the, the news people are all bubbly, and they seem like they've been up for days. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is everyone doing coke here? Or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, right. <laughs> Huge shout out to my anchor. He he's got a lot of
1: energy in the morning. He likes to talk shit a lot too, so he'll keep me on my toes, man. But, uh,
0: hey. I, I I mean, I guess it goes to say I don't watch your 6 a.m. segments. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we go live at the noon show, too. So. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, right at noon, tune on in. Those are the fun ones because I usually get to go live for the noon show. That's what I do my wine weather Wednesday, every Wednesday at noon. and then. Um,
0: but every other day, you're just at different locations
1: around the valley. I try to go live twice a week. Okay. it It kind of gets overwhelming mm-hmm. if I go live more than – More than twice a week, just because it's scheduling and getting in contact with the right people. Yeah, I like to end my week with a live shot, so Fridays are usually pretty fun. I did a live shot a couple weeks ago at the zip line, and I did a forecast going down the zip line. It's the first ever meteorologist to give a live forecast down a
0: zip line. Really, yeah, where'd you do that? Uh, the river, Las Colonias, Las Colonias, yeah. Oh, that's so fun. And is that so? What's your like? Do you just want to make the weather more fun? What's your what's your goal in all this? I
1: want to make the weather fun. I want to entertain people. Yeah, show them my personality and also, I mean, do something different, because to make it nowadays, you gotta you gotta be different.
0: Yeah. Are um, you judged based on ratings, or how do they judge a weatherman in terms of news?
1: Ratings and just overall talent.
0: Okay. Just whether yeah. I guess your producer likes you or not.
1: Exactly, whether your producer likes you, if you have the personality for it, uh, if you're conveying the message clearly and people understand you, mechanics on screen, uh, pointing at things, you know, really feeling out a map and showing somebody the atmospheric flow on a map. So you're articulating stuff like that.
0: You get to decide everything. Once you're on camera, mm-hmm. like what graphics go up, Great. and you're designing all that when you get there at four in the morning, mm-hmm. and when you're having your coffee, you're exactly. kind of working out your segment, mm-hmm. and it, you have total control over that. Yes, that's total, so cool. Total control over it. It's yeah. it's nice, and it's
1: it helps me tell my story. Every day is a different story. That's how I treat it. You know, the weather story for today. What am I going to be looking for in the future? You know, so I can tease keep people interested keep people watching yeah
0: how do you do that in a place like this where during the summer since you've been here it's probably been more or less the same weather every day it's hot i mean today we had a little rain but in palisade it was just five minutes so is it boring out here because the weather is so consistent not not really because things can change at the
1: drop of a hat here but do they well, it, de- it depends. I mean, you have the terrain. And, and it's not like I'm just forecasting for the Grand Valley. I'm looking at the San Juans. I'm looking into the Rocky Mountains towards Glenwood Springs where they have completely different microclimates. That so your
0: station reaches Glenwood mm-hmm. and all the western slope? All of the western slope. Oh, okay. I didn't so realize that. I yeah. thought you were just Grand Valley based. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, I believe it's, well, we get all the way up to Meeker, out to Glenwood, and then south to ure and i believe west towards moab so i mean i got deserts i've got valleys i've got mountain towns so there's never nothing to talk about really and i mean even if there isn't anything to talk about that's when i can start you know going in depth on synoptic patterns stuff to look for teaching a little bit of meteorology on air, not necessarily talking about what we can expect in currents.
0: Yeah. Do you think people's lives would be enriched if they understood the weather more, like learn more about meteorology? For example, I have on top of my microwave there, a little dashboard connected Mm -hmm. to a weather station on the house. There you go. I got, I got to be honest. I've gotten such enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things you said, I mean, when I first moved here and it seems like a dumb thing now for people that have been here a long time, but for me, it was cool. It's like, I realized when the wind came from the East, it always brought cold air Mm -hmm. down from the mountain when it was a western wind i was like okay it's probably going to bring like hot dusty air huh. when the pressure starts to dip in the winter i'm like huh there's a front coming that's so cool mm-hmm. when i see it's cloudy but the pressure starts to go up i'm like i think the weather's going to clear it's not an exact science as you know but those little understandings make me they enrich my life they really do and and also i mean it takes it, it makes whenever you're paying attention
1: to it more it makes you kind of a little bit more grateful for a shift You know, I mean, oh, it's been so dry. Oh, we're getting showers. Thank you, finally. Oh, it's been a really hot and sunny week. I can't wait for it to change, you know. And then whenever you're consistently keeping up with that, you not only are more informed and you know what to expect, but also it makes you kind of take not necessarily the weather for granted as much because you're paying attention to it more. Paying
0: attention. That's the key focus. Mm -hmm. And I always think about like Native American tribes or tribes anywhere around the world, they had to pay attention to all the signs of nature mm-hmm. because they didn't know when a hurricane was coming back then. You know, I think about the Seminole Indians in Florida. They didn't have someone telling them to evacuate because a hurricane was coming. They had to pay attention to their environment so they knew when giant storms were coming. Otherwise, they would all be dead and be wiped out. Mm-hmm. So I think that attention to the weather really takes us back to our great, 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 great ancestors mm-hmm. And connects us back to the land. We're so disconnected now in our air-conditioned house, or what my buddy said it great one time. He's like, "Yeah, you wake up in the morning in your air-conditioned or heated house. You get in your climate-controlled car. You go to your climate-controlled office. You know, we never, we don't necessarily face the environment that much in mm-hmm. the modern day, mm-hmm. and it's easy to lose touch with it." No, I mean it really is easy to lose touch
1: with it. And also, I mean, it's good for your mental health to get out. Yeah. Just in general, I mean, oh, yeah. you, get, you get vitamin D. It's great for your mental health, and people get seasonal depression. This is a, fr- a, pr- a proven fact. You're staying updated with the weather. I've gotten seasonal depression in the past. I'll be the first one to say it. You know, those t- temperatures start dropping, and then it's just a bunch of rain. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to get up today. But if you are prepared for that, you don't really have to worry about that because you know exactly what to expect for the day. Yeah. And uh, not necessarily exactly what to expect because, I mean – Granted, I have a great idea of what to expect every single day whenever I get into the studio. However, there could be a little bit of a change. It's it's always changing, and, and, and there's never anything super constant, especially in western Colorado. I mean, it is such a diverse terrain here where you get so many different patterns and so many different things to just having to monitor with different mountain ranges and different valleys. You have Utah in the Four Corners region and in desert right around here. And we're relying on monsoonal moisture for cloud development, not only for rainfall, but to get us out of drought. So we can have better yield for crops that year. Drought is a huge issue right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, farmers are really taking a toll this year. And, I mean could just be overall change of climate. I, like I said, as far as going years and years back, I'm fairly new to this place. So I am still, still learning about the importance of drought, but it's people's lifestyles. And I mean, I think about work in general, I used to work landscaping. That's kind of what I did my whole life growing up, up until this point, whenever I wasn't in uh, my, my Air Force status was working landscape. And look at the weather because, heck, you might get off early if it's raining that oh, day. Yeah, good point. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as far as climatological things to focus on, drought is huge. I mean, farmers have to budget based on their yearly yield. You know, that impacts their family. That impacts what they have to reinvest into their business for it to grow. And, I mean, it's whole entire lifestyles that are dependent on on the weather
0: Mm. yeah 100 yeah yeah especially back in the day too when Mm -hmm. if you didn't get rain and your crop was spoiled then everybody starved to death exactly i mean we're lucky here we have the river to irrigate us Mm -hmm. and to get us through those times i i would i have to ask you you know what what do you think about climate change and and things like that as we go forward it seems like weather people who study the weather are going to become more and more important as we keep Mm -hmm. going because we see there's climate shifts going on, but where it will end up in 10, 15, 20 years, yeah. of course, we don't know. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on it as you, as you've studied it? Well, my thoughts on it, climate change
1: is real, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it. you, you look at models and there is a significant difference from, you know, carbon emissions, things like that. People, like things that the human race is doing is going to be the main thing. But, I mean, also you get different sun angles for different years. Some years you get more sunlight than others. But, I mean, as far as climate change as, as a whole entity itself, I don't believe that it is talked about as much as it really needs to be talked about. Because people are so scared of it. Because it's political.
0: Yeah. It doesn't need to be political. It doesn't need it's, to be political. It's facts. The cause is political. It's like, are we doing it? How much are we accelerating? Is it our fault? Okay, that's a separate conversation. But the fact is, you look at history and the climate has changed many times. We were in a freaking ice age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the climate does change. What are we going to do about it? And what is going to be the, the reality of it in 10 years, 20 years? Exactly.
1: You've looked at past hurricane seasons in the recent years, and they've had way more than average for the amount of storms and then you get really really cold winters it's like let's see i believe and i forecasted for tampa florida on christmas day was freezing in tampa florida this year from a massive storm or uh, just a massive air mass of cold air and a lot of that is due to climate change i mean whenever you have a larger gradient of anything in general you're going to have more of a change so you never you have a larger temperature gradient what i mean by that is the difference between a high or a low so you have a larger range that's going to cause more uh, increased just everything increased potential for storms increased potential for uh, wind to move moisture greater chances to have strong convection for cloud development and that in general on the large scale it impacts so much because you're dealing with sea surface temperatures because we're getting you know more radiation on the surface of the uh, the ocean due to the fact that we have more carbon emissions in the atmosphere and other things to amplify that radiation and that's the thing that is really iffy about this particular time period is because you made the point the climate does change we've had ice ages in the past but humans are contributing to this one to the acceleration of it, exactly and and that's where it really becomes an issue because this is something that we have never seen before because technology is advancing and it's impacting the environment so
0: you know. It's, it's got to be kind of a weird thing for you because as a weatherman, to see more intense storms or more intense weather is kind of exciting. Maybe it makes your job very interesting. Yes. But it also is like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day,
1: I'm excited to get a few years under my belt to where I can really, really, like, eh, I mean, anybody, you know, you learn from experience. And I'm learning from experience every day about the weather, forecasting and talking about it on air. But, you know, seven or eight years down the line when I don't really know what's going to change with climate change. And then I look back at this time period and I understand what was going on now. And then I look at that time period and look at what was going on now compared to what was what will be going on in the future, I think it'll be very interesting. and uh, A lot of um,
0: continuing education for weather people oh. because it's not going to be consistent. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, it's 10 years from now this area could be... I don't know, but what do you think the, the result of climate change? Like, Will 10 years this area be... I mean, it's not going to be a rainforest here, right? I mean, we're already kind of a, a drought area. Will we just see mm-hmm. way less water? I yeah. mean, the river could dry up more? I, I
1: would say overall, you're going to get drier air um so is the wine industry and peach industry well the wine industry and the peach industry they kind of rely more on mm drier air so i don't see that really having an effect on you know that industry more than anything with that industry it would be having a cold front making its way earlier in Mm -hmm. the year
0: Longer winters. Exactly.
1: Longer winters or like a freeze, like a long-term freeze that's active for many hours, say, in October in the Valley. That would be very detrimental to all of the agriculture, especially in Palisade with talking about wine. They, They want that dry, warm air. It really matures those grapes and allows them to mature at a very good pace. But then as soon as you freeze it, I mean, those things are out of whack. You you just messed up the pressure within that little uh, oh, the, yeah. that little skin. Ask you know?
0: any farmer around here. They've had many freezes where mm-hmm. their grapes get destroyed. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we lost a lot of crops yeah. around here.
1: Yeah, back in 2020. Well, that's it. I think yeah. it was October of 2020. It might have been 2018. Uh, don't call me on maybe that. Maybe both. <laughs> yeah, maybe both. But, I mean, as far as being a farmer here, that's kind of the thing you're, you're going to mostly want to look out for.
0: It's cool that you became a weatherman here. I used to live in Hawaii, and there's a lot of weather stuff that happens out there, tons of wind, a lot of rainstorms, but they never got to – there are seasons, but it's not like here where you have four distinct seasons. Mm -hmm. And so not all weathermen are created equal maybe, (laughs) but they each have different specialties, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the weathermen out there were giving you surf reports, and so – Wherever you are, it's kind of interesting, but it's neat for you to end up in Colorado because you have so many drastic changes around here, mm-hmm. and it just makes it, I'm sure, easier to get up at 3 a.m. than if you were to wake up in a tropical climate and be like, okay, sunny with a chance of rain in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know? so. It's, it's a definitely a step up because you
1: have consistent moisture values in in the Southeast where I was doing most of my forecasting before looking at models. It's great way to learn about the weather because you have high humidity values. So you have high moisture. And then whenever you get to that hottest part of the day, you have the most surface heating, obviously hot air rises. Mm. So around that hottest part of the day, you can expect all of that hot air to rise rapidly. And then that's going to carry the abundance of moisture in the atmosphere to a thunderstorm while you're leaving work every day because it's going to be right after the hottest part of the day and that's consistent and you can wrap your mind around that but you don't have that here you have always something different we had showers in the san juans earlier today but we haven't seen any real potential as far as showers go because most of those have been in the higher terrain areas because that's going to be the main cause of Storms for today is an orographic lifting mechanism, not necessarily deep convection from abundant moisture into the lower atmosphere with coupled with surface heating at the hottest part of the day for that convection, causing that hot air to rise, carrying the moisture turns into clouds, eventual thunderstorms and Stuff like that. See,
0: they got snow on Brick. Yes, they
1: did. And even uh, Pikes Peak, too. Is that exciting for you? Oh, I'm ready, man. (laughs) I am excited for some snow. I mean, that's a whole book, uh, a whole can of worms to open right there. And I mean, like I said, I mean, experience.
0: I just you've never lived in a well. You lived in Chicago for yes. a bit, right? Mm-hmm. But as your adult life, you haven't really been in a snowy environment. Mm-mm. 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 Not even a mountainous environment. I mean, this so is, should we trust you this winter? Or I'm going to be on uh, top of my stuff. I'm okay. per, I'm
1: actually pursuing my master's degree right now. Oh, right on. Uh, so I'm I'm getting my master's degree in applied meteorology, and uh, that's one of the main things I haven't incredible resources with that i have a professor his name is uh, dr barrett gutter same name first also name barrett exactly and uh, he's great at snow forecasting and he uh, likes to snowboard and ski so every single time that he goes out and snowboards and skis before he goes. He's going to produce forecasts so he knows which is going to have the best powder days, stuff like that. Love that. So I'm definitely going to be using that resource a lot, talking with him as much as possible. And the National Weather Service, I reach out to them all the time here uh, just to, I, I try to produce my own information with uh, weather phenomena. Not necessarily, like I said, temperature. Stuff like that is very consistent. Yeah. And takes years and years of forecasting knowledge to produce that. So there's probably only a handful of people that can do that in the Grand Valley. But learning about what people want to know, if it snows, if it rains, that's what I'm mainly focusing on. And they're always down to talk weather. I mean, meteorologists. It's a good community. It is a great community. What
0: are other weathermen like? I've never met another weather person so are they all like you like very i don't know personable Uh, and like antic or is it more math nerds well uh, that's that's the main i mean don't get me wrong you're definitely a weather nerd Like half the shit you just said i'm gonna have to go back and listen to (laughs) like what the fuck was he talking about yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) well it it depends on in the news scene it's hard to find a happy medium because you have some really nerdy meteorologists that are kind of hard to watch because of how nerdy they are and then you have people that just want to be on tv so that's their way in is to learn about the weather
0: and interesting
1: you know finding that happy medium is is kind of hard uh that personality and i mean i want to be personable i want to be approachable i want people to talk to me and feel comfortable reaching out to me um And I feel like whenever you focus too much on the science and you get really, really into the nerdy stuff, it kind of shuns away from that. Their eyes roll back in their head. Yeah, Yeah. and then also on the other side of things, if you are too uh, upbeat, oh, happy-go-lucky on air,
0: you're not going to sound credible. Right, and then if it does rain and they don't have an umbrella, they're gonna be like, "God damn it, Barry! Yeah, right, <laughs> you right. fucked me! Yeah, you, you <laughs> screwed up that one,
1: man." And then that's when I can tell them, "Hey, at least I can keep my job after yeah. screwing ah. up." You know, do you get people that write you,
0: like, or like give you, like, share yeah, the
1: I've p- gotten some some pretty nasty emails really? in the past. What yeah. do they say? Oh man, I think this one guy called me an asshole one time because I was pointing like a gun on TV. They're like finger guns, asshole. Just randomly, te- or randomly. Oh, because you were pointing email. to the map yeah. with, with your two fingers. Exactly. Oh, like, yeah. interesting. Screw you. You're giving man. the subliminal messages, yeah, man. Right. Maybe I should start pointing like this on the <laughs> screen. You know, <laughs> just give them the middle finger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: but do people like ever write you and be like, "Hey, man, you know, I trusted you, and now my kid's birthday was ruined because you said it wasn't gonna rain." Not, and... not yet. Okay.
1: Not yet. Um, do
0: other weather people have that? Yes. Stories? Really? They do. They do. Yeah, they I got to imagine if you're in like a major market where there's just millions of people mm-hmm. that it's bound to happen, Oh, especially 100. on social media, the comments yeah. and things like that. 100%.
1: That's why I'm glad I joined the Air Force when I was 18 because it made me get that thick skin early on. Yeah. You
0: know? I mean. Did you guys get hazed?
1: Uh... Not really, not too bad in the Air Force. They were really cracking down on underage drinking whenever mm-hmm. I was going through. But I mean, I don't know.
0: It's mental. It is right? mental. yeah, like yeah. and your discipline and. Well, I'm thinking yeah. of yelling like, at you a like little bit. Like
1: Hayes, like oh yeah, like you gotta you gotta shotgun this beer in five seconds.
0: Yeah, you I mean know? that could like, be. Like, uh, or it could be just like. You know, waking you up at one in the morning mm-hmm. to do PT or yeah, they did that. Whatever, you mm-hmm. know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they did that, uh, and, and it was just you know following order type thing. You know, how far can we take this without it causing them some mental health issues? So, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. It was a great experience. It's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. Because I mean, heck, I'm about to be six years in, and I'm only 23 years old. So, and you said
0: you just went somewhere for the weekend yes Colorado Springs
1: I just actually came back from Colorado Springs two days ago so I uh, I'm drilling out of Colorado Springs Peterson Space Force Base and I work on the firebirds now so it's C-130s that put fire retardant on local wildfires around the state of Colorado
0: really so yeah it's a pretty interesting mission pretty cool it's neat that you in your two two mechanic jobs it's still weather related. Yeah, it You've is. You've done the hurricanes and now so what's up with the fire planes? Equipping them out with everything they need to
1: making sure they can fly making sure that everything's greened up. If anything's broken or needs scheduled maintenance, I'll, I'll work on that. So I can sign the forms and sign that job off to where that plane is greened up and ready to fly, and let me tell you, it's a damn good feeling when you see that thing take off after you've been working on it for a long time.
0: And that's so. how it works. You just go for weekends to put in your reserve time?
1: Yeah, so it's just one weekend a month for drill.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so I work on a Saturday and a Sunday. And then sometimes I'll work extra on the side. We go on trips, too. There's TDYs. So there's opportunity to go to Guam or they. I'm sure they fly in the northwest. You should definitely go to Guam. Stuff like that. Yeah, did you exactly. go already? No. no. Okay. No. Yeah, no. you should. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I'd be, uh, you know, having a good time in Guam getting paid to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I had an old roommate
0: who was a – he was in the Coast Guard, but he was a mm-hmm. helicopter pilot. Yeah. And he did search and rescue out in Hawaii. And just the stories that they had were crazy. They would often fly to Guam and all the different islands out there. And it just seems like a really exciting life. Mm -hmm. It is.
1: I've done a few TDYs with the Hurricane Hunters. So we fly a lot out of, like, St. Croix during the hurricane season. They fly out of Hawaii. I never got to go to Hawaii but, oh, well. It he is will. what it is. Maybe one you day. You never got – you're so young, man. You're yeah, 23. Exactly. exactly. I'll, I'm sure I'll make it out there. I made it to western Colorado. so.
0: Yeah. Is it weird moving to an area where you don't know anybody or have many friends? I guess I'm assuming that. Mm-hmm. You didn't know many people here. But then you're an instant celebrity because you're on TV.
1: Uh, it was kind of weird at first. This is my first TV job, so... I never really got publicly recognized in my whole entire life before. So at first it was weird, but also, I mean... It was nice, because it's like, oh, people are watching me. People are actually caring what I'm talking about, you know? Like, my my job isn't just for my career. It's, it's to help other people as well, which is huge. That's probably... My favorite part about this job is that I get to interact with people on a daily basis and, you know, shake somebody's hand and talk to them. That's my favorite thing about life is meeting new people. Hmm. And if I'm helping their day-to-day life out and they're relying on me for information, then I'm doing a damn good job at that. So,
0: Do people recognize you around town?
1: Every so often. I probably get recognized every other day. If I'm out in public, go to the grocery store. Hey, you're the you're the guy on TV. Uh. I'm like, oh, yep, that's me. Do you like that? I like that. You do, but I yeah. mean, it's it's a conversation starter. Yeah, I love con- conversing with people and just learning about. them. Man, you are from the south. Yeah, I know, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I just want to give everybody a hug, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite season? Do you have one? Mm, I really like fall. But then also the inner inner landscaper comes out of me, and springtime is just a shit, man. I mean, whenever you feel it start warming up, you look forward to it. You're like, oh, it's finally not freezing. But I think that's a little bit of the south in me talking because I don't have a very big tolerance of cold weather.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's something you said earlier, too, about like how people get seasonal depression, mm-hmm. and now you're talking about the spring where you feel that. like you, We are so attached to the weather. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just kind of gloomy the other day, and Julie and I were feeling tired, and we were both saying, like, I'm really glad it's cloudy. It fits my mood. Mm-hmm. You ever hear someone say that? Yeah. And it's true, because you feel in tune with the environment, because mm-hmm. when it's cloudy, it's more like if you were a wild animal, you'd be like, okay, it could rain. Like, I'm going to stay in and rest, and it's not worth going out and getting wet, right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, great, this is going to be... And then the spring, you've been cooped up all winter, and you start to feel that temp change. You're like, I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to come out of my hole. Mm-hmm. Getting in tune with those rhythms is really neat. I think. I think so too, and also, I mean, it goes even
1: beyond just the feeling of it because you get to see it too, so you get that visual, uh, you get that visual side of things, and I mean, that makes you feel pretty good. You see some beautiful flowers or I always think back to what my mother said when I was a kid around springtime when all of that pretty green that vibrant colors of those brand new leaves sprouting on those trees she goes spring green spring (laughs) green look at that look at that boys and then I would always just bring so much joy to my heart I was like oh my gosh we're warming up look at that we got some beautiful trees and then yeah and then you get in the middle of summer it's like oh man it's hot as hell this is never going to end.
0: Yeah. Well, wait till you come out here in the spring and everything starts to get green and then you get a late frost and it just all dies oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not so fast. I'm
1: uh, pretty lucky for this season, I think, getting here when I did. This spring was awesome. Oh, yeah. It actually felt like a real spring. And uh, I was talking to Ryan Robinson. He yeah. He works yeah. up at Powderhorn yeah. and he was like, man this place i haven't seen the mesa this green ever yeah and i was
0: like it was wet yeah it was but now correct me if i'm wrong i saw on the news i forget if it was your station or not that the peak fall is going to be end of september which is pretty short i remember the past couple years because julie and i usually do a fall trip Mm -hmm. and we were going up first week in october mid-october and still getting like prime colors yeah
1: i don't know i'm pretty sure that Personally, I don't, I don't see it, how it could be so early on this year. Um, I've done a little bit of research on peak colors during the, the fall. And it, we're going to get the leaves change, changing here probably first. Just because we got a ton of those aspen trees. And just with the microclimate of the dry air, stuff like that. Kind of plays into it. But I'm thinking first week of October season here. That's what it usually is. Yeah, so, and maybe, I mean, I think it could start changing a little bit earlier, but I'd probably say, like, September 29th, 28th to the 10th of October.
0: We need it, man, because if it's a shortfall, like for Palisade here, I mean, you've already seen it. People work so hard here, and now with Winefest coming, this is kind of the last big festival we have. Mm-hmm. You have the Farmer's Market a few more weeks, but October, November are really when people chill out here, kind of mm-hmm. rest, wind down, getting into the winter after the harvest, all that. And then winter is about fun and skiing, and but you get into the holidays, it gets crazy again. Mm-hmm. So I feel like fall is so important for Palisade yep. to just sort of take a breath. Drink some wine. Just actually enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's working so hard that they don't get a chance to enjoy it themselves. Yeah. But to have a fall day in October and sit on your porch and have a glass of wine and Mm -hmm. just sort of breathe a bit before we get into winter is so important, I think, for everyone's mental health here.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, as far as the seasons,
0: going back to that,
1: I mean, everybody here is on the same page with the weather. It's the season and everybody's out working their, quote-unquote, half days, you know, 12-hour days in the sun working. And that's why they're working, because of the weather. And then – Finally, as we get into fall, they can start breathing, relaxing, getting back into, oh, I can actually enjoy what I've worked so hard on. And, I mean, taking it back. What is it?
0: The weather. That's it, man. <laughs> 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 it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. we need some time before we start pitching about how cold it is, too. Oh, yeah, all man. Right. I don't know how I'm going to get used to that one. because oh. How do you like working in a newsroom? I like it. Yeah, I'm staying, pretty chaotic. Staying or?
1: informed with everything, it's it's chaotic. But I mean, I'm pretty last minute in general. So being just last minute in general, I'm kind of used to it. I mean, as far as chaos, everything surrounding that chaos is last minute things. Oh, we just got information about this. We got to get it out asap. But we just got information last minute. It feel it feels like with everything. So, and I mean, also as far as like learning about a place. Working in a newsroom is the best way to learn.
0: That's true. Yeah, what have you discovered in the Grand Valley since you've been here? What have you been doing? Well – I mean, you're pretty tired probably. If you get up at 3, you probably are in bed by what, 8 at night? uh, Around 8 or 9, but the, the key is to just go, go,
1: go, go until you can't go anymore.
0: Every day for you? Uh, every day. Really? Yeah,
1: every day. So, <laughs> as long as I can stay busy between work, school, gym, hobbies, like I've been getting into mountain biking, and then, of course, ski season is going to be starting up soon, you know. Because nobody likes going to sleep at 8 o'clock in, in, at night. No. Nobody does. So if you have – But I, if
0: you have to get up at 3, I would like it, I think.
1: Exactly. But, I mean, at the same time, it's hard to fall asleep – that early yeah so if you go 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 you can fall asleep that early
0: yeah. does your roommate go to bed that early
1: we are on completely separate schedules oh okay so uh he goes into work at 3 p.m and gets off at 11 p.m i go into work at 3 a.m and get off after right after noon. so i'm getting home and he's getting ready for work after i've worked a whole work day which is nice because i i can chill out at home by myself during the day and then on weekends we can hang out we won't ever get tired of each other uh so yeah we're so pretty far good. yeah so far <laughs> so far now he's a pretty cool guy uh he loves sports knows everything there is to know about sports he got the Personality for TV and news. I don't know if you ever watched him. His name's Big Will Levinson. I'm Big Will Levinson, and it's time to talk sports. And just ah. jumps right into it. Yeah, yeah, just real catchy and entertaining.
0: Did so. the, does the nightly news have a weatherman? Yeah,
1: they have. They have a girl. Uh, her name is Josephine. Right now, I think she's working on getting her certificate in meteorology. Uh, which is just like a certificate to be able to, you
0: know. So you don't even really have to be qualified to be a weatherman is what you're saying. Not, <laughs> not really, but it, it definitely helps. And I'm just I mean, teasing you, man. <laughs> as,
1: far, as far as, you know, long-term career goes, they won't have anybody that doesn't have a degree in meteorology at a big city.
0: So the morning like, weather no is the featured weather. Like that's more important than the nightly news well, weather. Because m- you would think in the, it's kind of the opposite with newscasters. The most desirable job would be, the six o'clock or seven o'clock news, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Rather than the, but I don't know, morning shows, people while they're getting ready, people, turn it on while they're getting ready. Yeah, I mean, I
1: could go to the later shows, but I mean, I like having my whole day.
0: Oh, you, you can pick. You start, you got you the choice. Start,
1: you start earlier and I'm working mornings. I'm off right afternoon. I got the whole day ahead of me to do whatever. You know, it's not like, I get to sleep in for work. I have something to hold me accountable to get me up and start my day. Otherwise, I would probably just sleep in until 10.30 a.m., 11 a.m. and, you know, go to the gym, mosey on. But if I start early in my day, that motivation kicks in. You know, it's got got a whole day ahead of me. I'm up already. May as well get the most out of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And energetically, you feel fine about it. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean... (laughs) Around 8 o'clock, I'll start winding down, but that's only in another hour and 50 minutes. So I got Oh, it, so, I we're, got so you can
0: have another beer, the, then. Yeah, we I can definitely have another beer, man. All right, <laughs> let's see what we got. I'll try and find you a cold one here. Good thing these cords are long. Okay, I don't know how cold it is. Does that bother you? Yeah,
1: it's it's whatever. If It's probably cold enough. It's cold enough. Yeah, yeah. it's all that matters. Says beer. the weather, man. Cold <laughs> enough. There you go, buddy. Cheers. Thank you, sir. That's a good part about an IPA. I feel like you can drink an IPA if it's not. Ice cold, but I would not touch a Coors Light with a 10-foot pole if it was not cold.
0: <laughs> no, actually, um, and some people, some countries, I would say, serve their beer a little warmer mm-hmm. because they think it has more flavor. Whereas when something's really cold, like I noticed that with our kombucha, if it's ice cold, like 36 degrees... Mm-hmm you know you're gonna it's gonna still have flavor but it's gonna be real crushable but you let it go to 45 degrees and a lot of those flavors are going to express themselves more Mm -hmm. just because it's not as i don't know the science behind it but anything when it warms up it kind of eludes a little more flavors a lot of people actually white wine say that we serve it too cold like people put white wine in their in their fridge they get it really cold and they drink it right away I was talking to a winemaker yesterday, and he said that you're supposed to set out your white wine for five minutes or something before serving it because as it warms up a little bit, it's going to have more flavors. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not.
1: No, I mean, that makes sense. It probably – that's why they – drink red wine at a room temperature you know
0: it's hard to drink too with the mic because then you spill it all over yourself yeah it's all good I mean I do that (laughs) I busted this book out for you because this is the only weather book I own this is what a nerd I am weather for dummies yeah I bought this a couple years ago and you know what reading it has been really interesting I know it's uh, you'll probably laugh at it but for someone just looking for the basics of not even understanding what pressure is or what different impacts of clouds are mm-hmm. and different types of clouds, different types of winds. It's really cool. Let me see this thing. Yeah, go for it, buddy. Let me, let me yeah. see
1: this thing. Oh man. It's got the beautiful picture of a supercell thunderstorm on the front. Hey,
0: you guys need to get this. <laughs> I'm already recommending it. Here's something you can explain to me. I've always, I've been curious about this because we had this happen maybe last week. It was 95 degrees, mm-hmm. clear sky, sunny, mm-hmm. really hot. The next day, it was clear sky, no wind, sunny, kind of same conditions, but it was about 15 degrees cooler. Mm-hmm. How can that happen? How can it be the same conditions you're seeing, but it just the sun doesn't feel as strong, for example? So in the nighttime hours, whenever you get clear skies, clear skies
1: means more cooling. Because whenever you have increased cloud coverage during the nighttime hours, it traps in that heat from the day. So whenever we're really clear, you can get a lot more temperature variability just overall because you're going to get a lot less – you're going to get a lot more cooling – in the overnight hours because there's nothing to trap in the heat from the day so it causes more variable temperatures plus i mean you have winds coming off from the mountains and upper elevations that i was talking about earlier that can help cool through out the overnight hours as well early into the morning um, so you have these mechanisms that are in play here, especially with a drier climate that allows more temperature variability. You look at the southeast and I mean, they have so much moisture in the air. They're dealing with slow, latent heat processes that are going to cause the overnight low being 10 degrees cooler than the you know, high for the day.
0: Right. But wouldn't if the sun is the same strength every day, which I'm guessing it is, right? Like, is mm-hmm. that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then how can it... I get it like it would cool off overnight. In the morning, it might be cooler. But shouldn't it just heat back up to right where it was?
1: Well, it depends for the air quality, too, here especially. Mm. It could have been a little bit hazier that day before. That hazier sky is going to get a little cause a little bit of concentration of sunlight at the surface, right? And that's going to give us a little bit more radiation for the day. Also, the overall flow of the atmosphere, too. We had a little bit of a shift last week. I don't know if this is the specific day that uh, you know you're talking about, but we had that westerly wind component of bringing dry air right off the desert southwest and, I mean, just drying us up completely, coupled with a high sun angle. We're in the summertime so we get more sunlight because... The, uh, the Earth's rotation is going to be, you know, more unfavorable for sunlight, and in the winter time, you know, it's flipped for the southern hemisphere. But northern hemisphere, we're only getting so much sunlight during the summer because of the sun angle. But uh, you have other things like hazy haziness in the sky from fires, and whenever it's not as hazy, it's not going to be as concentrated radiation at the surface. So that's probably why you saw that. Uh, as far as the crazy change from, you know, a 24-hour period. And, I mean, also could have been the date the night before – you had cloud coverage the night before, so you had more heat trapped previously that oh, day. Oh,
0: so okay, that yeah. makes
1: sense. So you had heat trapped from previously that day from that cloud coverage in the overnight hours, and then we get that dry air off the desert southwest, and then those clouds disappear, but we still have that heat remaining from the day. And then we get that sun, and then we really start heating up in the afternoon hours, and then the next day you have that clear sky. And then you don't have anything to trap in that heat. So then you really start cooling down, and you're already starting the day off cooler than you did the day before.
0: Interesting. Okay. That was one of the things I learned in this Weather for Dummies books that I never knew before is that the angle of the sun Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. And that's why winter, you can have a sunny day. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have the cooler air from the mountains and stuff, but the sun angle is a big difference. So you're just not getting that buildup of heat.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, that's why shorter days in the wintertime, sun angle we're getting a broader sun angle if you were to get a flashlight and you were to shine it directly over something the the circumference of that flashlight where it actually is making contact with whatever you're shining if it's straight over it's going to be small but then you start rotating it and you start tilting that angle the more that you tilt it the more surface area is going to be covered from that light compared to that just direct overhead. So that's why we get more sunlight during the summer months because that sun angle is more angled, so we get more of a broader amount of sunlight compared to in the winter time. that sun angle is going to be more concentrated. So since it's more concentrated,
0: we don't get as much sunlight. Oh, so in the winter, it's more overhead. And in the summer, it's at a greater angle? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I thought it was the opposite.
1: No, so, uh, I mean, you're you're going to get the pretty much the same amount of radiation from the sun every day. It's mostly duration of the amount of sunlight. So you have longer time to heat up the surface during the summer compared to, you know, having that angle being... A little bit just more concentrated, like you're not going to get as much sunlight that day, so you're not going to get as much surface heating. Hmm. So that's that's what goes into the seasons. That's the main thing that goes into the seasons. The sun scene. drives everything with weather, yes. right? Mm-hmm. It's all about the sun energy yeah. building up. It's the heat source. Hmm. That is where we get all of, I mean, all of the radiation at the surface, all of that heating, all of that heat is turned into work first law of thermodynamics equilibrium so you're having to perform work because of the change in heat to get that energy that cannot change energy can or it can change but energy cannot be created or destroyed it has to be in equilibrium so you have that change of heat from the sun that change of heat is going to make it have to have work done onto it whether it being that moisture rising that's that work for those clouds to develop that clouds, those clouds develop so it can you know actually neutralize or create that equilibrium of energy that we need in just to be alive i mean if there's any kind of out of whack because energy is not being conserved then i mean Physics wouldn't be what
0: they are today. It wouldn't make sense. Nothing would make sense. It's amazing how this planet freaking works. Has being uh, a weatherman made you religious in any way? Or like thinking that, like, because you probably understand the relationship between things around the planet better than anyone, does it make you think, like, holy crap, like this is crazy? It, it,
1: it honestly does. I mean, if anything, I've, I've always kind of. Grew up just very Christian, you know. Grew up in the South, Southern Baptist, you know. Say what you want to say, but, I mean, at the end of the day,
0: you know, that's what I believe you in. You went to church every yeah. Sunday?
1: Yeah, I grew up in the church choir, man.
0: Singing. Singing. Grew up, Baptist? Grew up in the, yes. Yeah. What does that mean, the Baptist? That's Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, I always picture Southern Baptists as, like, the big song and everyone's singing.
1: And yeah, it's just kind of over the top. They like to baptize people in front of the whole entire church. Really? Uh, it's, it's a celebration of salvation initially is, is what the, the main thing of baptism is in the Baptist church. You don't need to be baptized to be able to actually, you know, go to heaven. Uh, it's just like one of those things. It's about celebrating, and that's why I loved being in the Baptist church growing up. Nowadays, not so much. I think it's quite uh, quite judgmental. Really? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, anywhere in the South you go, that's a little bit different. Really? And there, that's
0: changed since you were a kid.
1: It's always been like that.
0: Okay. You, you think yeah.
1: of Southern Baptist? I mean, you're going to think of a pretty judgmental, you know, just overall. But, I mean, not not to discredit the Southern Baptist Church at all, you know. I mean, believe what you want to believe. However, I think that everybody is, you know, created in, in God's image and there's no reason to judge somebody for any particular reason over why you would, you know, judge somebody else for that. You know, I mean, it's it's just yeah. perspective and how you view life. And
0: Well, it's hard because religion kind of creates that, right? Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to, okay, we're this, so we believe that. And we're right, so it's hard then to be open minded and be like, "But you do your thing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it kind of creates this. But you, so you were like those videos we see of like everyone singing and dancing in the pews. Mm-hmm. That was your childhood. I that, mean, that must have been fun. That was my childhood before you're even thinking. Like oh, my yeah. childhood, to go to church was like stand up, kneel down, stand up, kneel down, mm-hmm. be quiet, shut up, mm-hmm. don't don't play with the book. You know, it was yeah. we didn't have that in like where I grew up in Philly, and it was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And it was not fun, like uh, singing and dancing. Yeah, it, it was a lot of singing and just like praising. You throw
1: your hands up, nobody cares. And Get wild. You go to you go to Sunday school, and you're learning Bible stories. You're learning about David and Goliath, and Daniel in the lion's den. Some pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And I mean, as far as writing goes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I mean, if, if you believe that, then I mean that kind of adds on to it even more because it's like, wow, that is crazy. That is, I mean, I believe my God is an awesome God for that. Like, which is, you know, pretty, pretty cool. And I'm glad that I grew up in that church because I got to express myself with music um, and then just learn to enjoy scripture,
0: not be bored by it. Yeah, I was bored by it. (laughs) Have you found those communities here? Because this is a very religious value. I haven't really.
1: No, I haven't really yet. I need to get out and... You know, try a few churches out, but I mean, I've been trying to explore as much as I can here, so this weekend I'm going to camp at Crested Butte for this weekend, so I won't be back on Sunday. Last weekend was drill. The weekend before that, I camped at Dinkle Lake and Glenwood Springs. Weekend before that, up in Telluride, Gold King Basin, beautiful camping spots. Just trying to, not necessarily, I I mean, I'm trying to get as much as I can out of this place too, but I mean, it even goes into the weather. Do you go by yourself? uh i usually go with some friends that i've met out here okay um I, it must be hard to make friends with your schedule though it is and i would say that yeah it kind of is hard to make
0: friends with. My yeah or dating because you're like uh yeah. yeah let's go on a date how's lunch sound How's lunch <laughs> sound? oh i gotta
1: go to sleep at yeah. like eight o'clock yeah. like yeah, it's it's know. hard yeah, yeah it is really it is but i mean I but you have the weekends right i have the weekend
0: so how do you adjust do you go to like stay up, like Friday's your last day, so then you can stay stay up, up stay sleep up. a normal night. Stay up Sundays must be tough,
1: though. Sundays not bad because with that, what I've been doing with camping, stay up late on a night that I'm camping, and then wake up early because you're camping. You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So yeah. you just naturally wake up early, and then you're I'll tired just power through that day and and pass out for Sunday night, and then I'm good. But it's just like one of those things you know you you just have to get
0: used to it when i'm camping i always tap into the NOAA weather radio
1: oh yeah listen to that
0: yeah it's like a little robot kind of guy that Mm -hmm. talks to you and gives you it's so interesting i listen to it sometimes even here at the house because it'll give you the highs and lows and then how that ranks historically Mm -hmm. and how many inches of rain we've had up to date it's it's very current it's very cool i wonder how that operates they have a station here in grand junction and if you get, like, a backcountry emergency radio, it just has a frequency for it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get it on just your regular tuner. Huh. But if you have, um, like, it'll be a NOAA weather radio.
1: Okay. I think they do that for
0: aviation purposes, too. I'm sure they do. Um, I'm sure they're not doing it for me, the stupid backpacker. I imagine <laughs> there's someone else who's getting use out of it. But it's kind of like a friend. I do a lot of solo camping. Huh. I, I just love it's my escape, yeah. but, you know, sometimes you need a friend. It's just nice to put something on and listen to it, and mm-hmm. you can't get anything else in the backcountry. And I don't like to do music or something that would – this just seems like it, it gets me more in touch with where I am because I'm listening to the forecast yeah. and it's telling me something about where I am. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't want to let you off the hook. So tell me about your, your – cre- like you were religious growing up, but now has studying weather changed that or enhanced that? It
1: kind of has enhanced it. It has. Because it, there's no other way it would make sense to me.
0: That it would all work.
1: For how perfect this world is and for us to even be able to breathe is phenomenal. I mean, it makes me question. You can talk about how big the universe is. We cannot physically wrap our mind around that. But I can't at all. The odds of having life on Earth for what we have is the smallest probability you can even think of it is the most interesting thing whenever you really break it down and you look at what we have to have to be alive and you see all of the changes every day especially with the weather Everything has to be in equilibrium. And if anything were off slightly, the smallest percentile, we get a little bit uh, more radiation, you know, in uh, compared to the what we're supposed to get. That could cause a catastrophic event. You know, you could legitimately cause uh, a whole entire, uh, let's see, I'm getting on a tangent here.
0: That's the point of the podcast. Yeah, but but the, the
1: the the thing is, the bare bones of it is that I mean, everything is in balance to a point to where, if anything so minuscule could potentially change that balance, it would be detrimental for eternity, and we would know. like we would go back into an ice age or something. Yes, you mean exactly?
0: Like, is that what causes ice ages? Like when the whole world's covered with ice? Where's the equilibrium there?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah, like so how does that work? Uh,
0: I mean, I don't really know off the top of my head because I haven't done a lot of research on ice ages. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? That's it like this planet was covered with ice, and then you go some places at high elevation, and you'll see, like, oh, there's a whale carcass that used to be here because this all used to be an ocean. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. It's crazy. Like, to think about that is insane. Yeah. And I always think about, like, past tribes that would worship the sun as a god. And to me, that's, like, the most reasonable god Like, that's why whenever I watch the sunset, you feel so in tune with it Mm -hmm. because it's like that is the life source. Like, the sun is the god that provides life for this planet. Take away the sun, we're not here. Sun burns out. Anything happens to the sun, we're fucked. Yeah, we're done. So So it's like the most important thing to human existence or life on this planet is the sun. Mm -hmm. Without it, we're screwed. Yep. And then you look at the moon, though. What about it? The moon regulates
1: uh, lots of things. The moon gives us light. Light is... You know, a form of energy, that's something that we have to take account for. Is No energy can be created nor destroyed. Uh, then you have that controlling different currents in the ocean at night. It's a, quite an interesting phenomenon. Do you know how that works? I, I have to do a little bit of brushing up on it. I'm not confident enough to really talk about it, but as far as, you know diurnal changes i mean the moon can kind of control different currents in the uh in the ocean which moves heat around you know if we don't have even the moon you could get you know i mean consistent days where it's just such crazy drought because you're not getting any breezes from currents in in the ocean that you know you kind of rely on to carry moisture and stuff like that i mean. I think
0: we really just take for granted the miracle of our existence. Yeah, it quite is a miracle. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. I have a theory that we, like, I mean, shelter is so important, right? Mm -hmm. And the sun here for me is so strong. You know, you go outside in five minutes, it feels like horrible. So it's it's like what gives us life and what can also destroy us. Like, for example, if you strip down and laid outside in the ground here in the Grand Valley for two days in the middle of summer – think you would die yeah you would die like you'd be you'd be dead like you (laughs) would be dead no question but that same sun is what also gives us light you know life and we have shelter to protect and to take off but yeah it's just it's so powerful but we just take it so for granted nowadays Mm because we don't live in it anymore that's why i love backpacking sounds like you're a big camper too i'm curious if you get that do you have to go to nature to feel those forces again to reinvigorate you because like I say, you live in an apartment too, you get in your car, you turn mm-hmm. on the air conditioning, you go to the news station and now you're going to talk about the weather, but it's yeah. you haven't interacted with it yet.
1: No, not really. That's oh that's something I miss, man.
0: I miss landscaping for that reason,
1: you know, because really? you're out in the la- you're out in the elements. Yeah. I mean you you really are paying attention to your health more too whenever you're doing that because you legitimately could die you can go a whole day with having just minuscule amount of water here because you're going to be in your car with the air conditioning on and then you go home and just go to sleep and air conditioning is very sustainable but it's kind of more primal whenever you're out in the elements and definitely. honestly it's definitely good for your mental health to be out and in, in my opinion i mean you have kids nowadays that are just minimally being outside. I can't even imagine how detrimental that's gonna be for
0: them later. Don't get me started, man. Yeah. We've talked about that many times on this podcast with different people. Yeah. Yeah, just how the like I mean, I grew up playing outside, climbing trees and in a parental world where it was okay to have your kids disappear for multiple hours and trusting that they were okay with their friends. Yeah. And now it's not that way. Even though we have more technology where you would think it would make you more comfortable to let your kids disappear, quote-unquote, because they have a cell phone. So mm-hmm. they get into trouble or they're, they can call you. But it seems the paranoia has increased. I think the news has a lot to do with that mm-hmm. because, as you probably see at your station, the news covers things that happen that are exciting and dramatic but don't necessarily apply. So 50 years ago, you wouldn't hear about the boy that got kidnapped in Maine when he was out riding his bike after dark, Mm -hmm. right? It just, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't hear it. It would be local news maybe, but you wouldn't necessarily hear it out here. Now it's like anybody gets kidnapped anywhere and it's this sad story on CNN or Fox news. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, well shit. Like I don't, like it probably won't happen to me, but what if it did? I would never forgive myself. So now I want to rein it in, right? Like we have so much more access to information, which is good, but it also exposes us to every possible negative thing that's ever happened which makes us a little paranoid, mm-hmm. I think. And so we kind of guard against that. No, What's I right, I don't know, but it's it definitely has changed things. Yeah,
1: it, it definitely has. And, I mean, overall it's nice to be informed, but like you said, you've worked for the media in the past. That hard news is just overwhelming. And sometimes you're, like, tired of hearing it. And, I mean, it's Dude. just, like, you get paranoid sometimes. People are very paranoid nowadays with just – everything well
0: it's the complete opposite of what you just described you're like yeah i'm the weatherman like i love seeing people at the grocery store and talking to them and it's great and when you're a hard news reporter you're either covering politics which is so dramatic and now polarized and just tense i guess Mm -hmm. tense would be the best word and so you're writing those kind of messages or you're covering a crime beat so everyone you talk to has a horrible, sad story. Mm-hmm. Really, like, the best news job is when you're a high school intern writing features, right? You're yeah. covering the kid who drew the comic that won the contest or mm-hmm. the high school softball pitcher who did a perfect game. You know, those are the glory days because yeah. it's just – it's happy writing. But once you get into the grind of a journalist, you're it's, if it bleeds, it leads. So you're covering all kinds of, of, of bad stuff. And that – it's like being. My dad was a homicide detective, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of look at it the same way. It's you're doing really important work, but you're taking it on too. And doesn't mm-hmm. no matter how strong you are, you're going to absorb that. And that I saw that happen with my dad over his career. You know, you can only go to so many murder scenes before you let it affect you, and you think, well maybe the world is a shitty place after all yeah and you can see it on tv with some journalists who are burnt out the way they talk about the world it's just you can tell they wake up every day and think oh god this place sucks like i can't believe these people and that people and that's no way to live man that's Mm. just not like a great mindset it's a it's a trap like i think they're martyrs in a way it is important to some degree i don't agree with how the news, like I say, I think it could be. I think local, the death of local news to me is just so sad. Yeah. And that's why we're lucky to have stations like yours and stuff because the story of the boy being kidnapped here is great because there's a kidnapper on the loose and we need to watch out. Mm-hmm. But when you start to get these nationalized news networks that cover these tragedies that. don't have anything to do with the area and
1: and just all this stuff. Oh, well,
0: dude, my last day of college was at Virginia Tech school shooting, April 16th, 2007. I was already confirmed to go to grad school to get my master's in journalism when that happened. That was literally my last day of college. And so we had our graduation. George Bush spoke at our graduation President at the time. It was basically a funeral for everybody. And the behavior I saw of the journalist during that time really impacted me. I decided to dedicate my entire grad school thesis into how journalists cover tragedy. Mm -hmm. So I studied Virginia Tech shooting, Columbine shooting, Oklahoma City bombing, 9-11, and interviewed all the reporters who had covered it. And just, what was your experience? Da-da-da-da. It was horrible. It put me in the darkest hole. I would say that those years, 2008 and 2009, were the two darkest of my life. And when I came out of grad school with a journalism degree... I was like, I don't want to do anything in journalism. Mm-hmm. Completely spoiled, ruined. Because yeah. I just saw what it did to people. I saw the reality of it. Reporters would tell me, like, yeah, my editor told me that during the Oklahoma City bombing, I had to go interview the mom of the victim or the guy that got blown up. And he said, if I don't get her crying on camera, just to not come back. And hearing stories like that, man, it's just like heartbreaking. That right? is, that is it's just it's, awful. It's where the ratings, yeah. you know, meet humanity, and it's just like the ratings become more important than humanity. Yeah. And that's how I feel about these national news outlets who cover a kidnapping in Maine, and I'm sitting here in Colorado watching it. And mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like they're gonna say, oh, well, this is important because you can, you know, learn from this. But it's also like, yeah, but you're kind of using the tragedy of one family. Way over there to make sell money. the news and to make me paranoid. So now I'm. Um, it's weird. I mean, I, I see both sides of it, but I really struggled with that, and I can't work in an environment like that. No, it's just for me. No. It's so I became a travel writer where I yeah. can focus on more fun. Exactly. Things. Yeah, man. And
1: and I mean that's one thing I'm trying to focus on. It, it and especially with no, local news now. It's it's very localized. I feel like we're not talking about as many national stories because you can flip to Fox News and get a national story, and it's just. The same shit over and over again. And I mean, and yeah. and then you get local news like what we have here, uh, and it's more specific and it's it's more soft news. But what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to entertain people. I want people to enjoy watching the news. That's why I'm doing my wine weather Wednesday because people care about that. <laughs> people want to learn about wine and the weather and how this microclimate is so amazing and how we produce some of the best wine i'll even say in the world because it's different man and we have that you you look at the peaches i mean i've lived in atlanta georgia i've i used to work a landscaping job out there doesn't even freaking compare to any of the peaches here i mean nothing not even close peaches are better here Oh, 100%. Hell yeah, buddy. There Hell yeah, they're way better, man. <laughs> I mean, they it, it knocks it out of the park, you know. You bite into a peach in Georgia and you know that it's not as good because there's still going to be a little bit of peach stuck on that seed. But right here, you bite into that, it just falls off you the bone. You just toss that toss that seed at the end, yeah. you know? I mean, like you just toss that seed. Everything is uh, I mean, you that that's just one of those things that validates how Truly incredible this place is. The Grand Valley is like no other place in the world. From an agricultural standpoint, from a climactic standpoint, looking at what we have to our west compared to our east. Oh, dude. We are right on that border. And there's so much phenomena that go on with that being in effect. And as far as the i i will go ahead and say it again the gradient Seth. the change right yeah. the change from our east to our west we have a desert yeah and then we have the rocky mountains beautiful national forests i mean so much just agriculture and as far as the happy medium we are the ideal definition of the happy median between dry air and moist climate out to our east with orographic lifting mechanisms that create storms and then we have sometimes something that'll get backed up on the mesa and it'll just dump rain into our desert climate that's yeah. been dry for the past week with a temperature being 20 30 degrees above the dew point where condensation occurs so we don't have any clouds in the sky but then all of a sudden you can get a shift and you can get something crazy to happen just by you know taking a little look at that synoptic pattern oh we're getting some cold air advection that cold air has been is going to move into that region you know that the cold air is moving into the Grand Valley, so we got all this hot, less dense air that's just been chilling and and just sitting and sitting in the valley, and then we get some cold air move through. That cold air is a little bit more dense, and then you get that rise because it's going to force that less dense warm air up into the atmosphere, and all that less dense warm air has been chilling at the surface for quite some time, and it's just ready to get lifted up by something. And as soon as it's lifted up, we get clouds in the sky. Temperatures start dropping. We get a little bit of a break from the heat. And the next thing you know, we're getting rain. And, oh, man, we've been so dry for the past two weeks. And then just a crazy shower. And then, I mean, you look at pa- uh, Palisade in general, the Mesa's right there. Those storms will get backed up. And then all of a sudden, you have an abundance of rain that's going to sustain crops for Multiple days at a time compared to a whole week of just dry air that's just, you know, I mean, it's great for the grapes whenever you're talking about wine, but I mean, just overall prettiness and agriculture and color, you know, you see things start drying up and then all of a sudden you get that rain. And and, and it's like I said, it's, it's truly an incredible place. It's something completely different than Anywhere that I've personally ever lived, I've never lived out west before, but as far as where we are located geographically, what we have around us, we don't really have that anywhere
0: else in, in the United States. Dude, it's so. insane, honestly. And Amen, by the way. Great diet drive. Oh, yeah. We yeah, need more people so. like you in the news, and <laughs> your personality is just what I expected, so I'm really happy we met, because mm-hmm. make weather more accessible, but just to be positive and on the news at night. Right. Yeah, yeah. But Julia always makes fun of me. Cause whenever I would tell other people, they're like, Oh, where do you live? Most of the time I'm like, I live in Colorado. People are like Denver. It's like, okay, no. no. And then, so I explained, but I would explain the exact same way. Like we're at the North edge of the Colorado plateau. It's where the Rocky mountains meet the red rocks to the East. We have the high mountains to the West. We have the desert. Mm-hmm. And as an adventurer, you know, like camping and stuff, it's the sweetest spot. Cause you can go in any train you want really quickly.
1: I mean, take a step outside. You have the Mesa, abundance of forests and so many different kinds of uh, just wildlife and a crazy microclimate. And then you look to the north and you see the book cliffs, the dry, deserty mountains that are on the northern side. And then you get to the south and then you see the small microclimate of what we call the uh the national monument i mean it's a canyon and you have those dry bushes and you have a little bit of green but it's still the desert but it's still dry and you have that uh those those kind of plants out there compared to the book list where you have nothing and it's just super deserty. but then you take a 20 minute drive out to our east and then you see the mesa the National forest, the abundance of aspen trees and wildlife. It's truly incredible. I mean, it's a a happy medium of legitimately so many different little microclimates around us that all kind of mix in together while, you know, you're living in in the valley. You get a a great view of, of so many just different little microclimates. I mean, it's, it's Now, nuts. this
0: pleases you as a person, obviously, but does it stress you out as a weatherman? Yeah, it just <laughs> depends.
1: It, it, it just depends on the week. I mean, we have consistent patterns here that will last for weeks at a time. We're just now seeing potential for rain after we've been dry and sunny for the past week and a half. So I get time to prepare. I I'm reading and I'm doing my research and I'm trying to talk to people that have worked for the national weather service. And just like, also I'm looking at, you know, the radar constantly on my phone. I mean, it's stuff like that where, you know, I'm trying to get these trends. So whenever we're not seeing something super crazy in Montrose or grand junction, you know, Delta, like the, the main cities, I can focus on that. The, those other little microclimates around here. So, as far as like being stressed out, I mean, most of my viewers are going to be in the Grand Valley and in Montrose, Delta County, so I, I get a little bit of a, a break whenever we are dry and sunny enough to. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I got this. Enough to gear
0: up, <laughs> enough to gear up and prepare for when we get a shift like this week. One thing I learned too in that book was that when it says on your forecast, sunny with a twenty percent chance of rain. That 20%, I always took it to mean, okay, so there's an 80% chance it won't rain. Mm -hmm. But what I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that that means, no, it's definitely going to rain, but in the area that's covering, only 20% of that area covering is going to get the rain. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not – like, I think people, that's a common misconception that people have when they look at the forecast. They see 50% chance of rain. That means, oh, it might, it might not. And it it does, but – it means that 50% of the area will get rain and 50% yeah. won't not 50% it, it, it might not rain at all mm-hmm. is that is that right no you're right i mean okay.
1: the thing is you have the same ingredients every day so whenever you have those days where it's like a 20% chance it's localized where you have those ingredients you know say you have that moisture in the valley you know you see an abundance of moisture in the valley and we're not dry and then we have temperatures above average for the highs for that day those uh, we're going to warm up it's going to have that convective uh thunderstorm development if we have that abundant moisture in the valley and that's going to increase to 90% chance because of 90% of the census in that region is you know in that uh that area where we have that moisture and that's thunderstorm development you know
0: I feel so. like we didn't really have a good banger thunderstorm we had some uh good lightning we did have okay. I'll, I'll correct myself. We we had one or two, but I mean, in just in terms of like torrential downpour, mm-hmm. I haven't really seen that in Palisade this summer, unless I was away well, for it. But. I love a good thunderstorm, man. Oh, There's me nothing too. like when you just see it come in, and that lightning starts coming, and you start hearing mm-hmm. the thunder. The wind picks up. You get that smell. Oh, you know that smell—that fresh air. You're like, oh, it's about to rain. Dude, it's oh, the best. it is the best.
1: And uh, I think a few weeks ago, I think about three weeks ago, we had a storm back up on on the mesa and just kind of dump, which was. I I wasn't on the clock when I saw. I was like thinking about going in and covering it because I'm the only meteorologist at the
0: station. Oh, you're so. like on call. It's like no,
1: I'm not on call. But if there's something crazy that's happening, I'm going to show up and I'm going to cover the hell out of that storm. You know? Are you
0: watching the hurricanes in Florida? Do you still keep in touch with that? Or a like little the bit. The flooding in
1: Libya, or a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I'm more focused on this area, man. Yeah. Because I'm still pretty new here, so I'm learning every day. I don't want to. I I could get on a thought loop of what direction I think a hurricane's going to go for, and that'll take up my whole entire day. Yeah. You know, as far as forecasting goes, I'll be looking at air masses and when cold air infections are expected to make its way to a region which could steer that... uh, that hurricane potentially, you know, to the east or to the west, away from civilization or towards it. I did a little bit of research, and I I, I covered uh, the hurricane that was supposed to really cause castri- catastrophic events to Southern California. So, like, Los oh, yeah. Angeles. I remember that few one a couple ago. weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, that was pretty much it. But, I mean, as far as, like, now, I've I've done the hurricane seasons used to work for the Hurricane Hunters. I would be yeah. looking at that consistently and all the time. Now right? you're over it. And now I'm just like kind of over it. If, if that's in my market one day, if I get out to Tampa, I'd love to come out to Tampa, but if that's in my market one day, sure. I'll are there
0: are there any other big weather misconceptions that peop- the common people have? Like such as that forecast I described with the rain. Is there any advice you have for people to kind of understand the weather better? Yeah, so it's pretty easy.
1: The things that you need to look at are the environmental temperature. So you look at your phone and you, let me see. I'll pull up my phone right now so I can give you a little crash course of what you look at for what your phone is going to give you information on. So I'm looking up Grand Junction, Colorado. Let's look up Palisade, buddy. Come uh, on. Palisade, Palisade. (laughs) Hey, Palisade (laughs) just popped up. It's 72 degrees right now. So that's going to be the environmental temperature. That is the actual temperature. It is outside, 72 degrees. And then I'm going to scroll down. So I'm going to see that we are at a 38% humidity. So that's going to tell me that that dew point is not crazy low. Okay, so we have, you know, a little bit above average humidity. So you can look at that humidity value. What's average here? Uh, Around 20% for this time of year. It's pretty dry. But as far as humidity values, if there's going to be increased humidity, you're going to see a little bit warmer temperatures outside for the heat index. So you can kind of tell by the looking at the humidity. I, I can't find the dew point on here. I thought that it was on here. Mine doesn't have it either. Yeah.
0: But so, this, these apps are crazy now. Like mine yeah. says chance of light rain in the next hour, and it just has 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and – how does that affect you as a weatherman when people have such, like back in the day, right before smartphones, people didn't have access to it, so they would look to you as the weather god, and well, now they're like,
1: well, actually, my cell phone says... People t- put too much trust in these phones. Oh, they do. Because you have potential for lightning. I mean, that's based off of a climatological average, not necessarily what's going on on the mesoscale. Of the environment. So they're looking at the amount of moisture that they have in the air right now, and they're going to compare that to years in the past. But say you get winds gusting off of the mesa. That'll cause a shift. It change quick. You know? Yeah, it can change quick. It can move that moisture down into an area that already has abundance of moisture. And then you obviously have an isolated thunderstorm that's popping up. And then you're going to see lightning from that just because you're getting all of that energy build up into the cloud quite rapidly. And then you've got lightning from that. That's well, a pretty cool actual, a, a pretty cool concept is lightning. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. You're into it? Yeah, I, I'm into it. I, I love talking about lightning. Tell <laughs> us about it. Uh, lightning is, I mean, it's electricity, of course. It's actually how we discovered electricity. Ben Franklin. Uh, ben Franklin with From the with the key hometown. on the yeah. the, yeah, yeah, Pennsylvania, man. That's right. Key on the kite. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so you have positive charges and negative charges within a cloud and they separate so as Ice crystals rise from an, a sustained updraft. You have an updraft that's going to keep that moisture in the, in the sky. You have uh, these charges, so you can either have a positively charged ion or a negatively charged ion. That negatively charged ion is going to have an extra electron. A positively charged ion is not going to have that extra electron. So those positively charged ions kind of tend to rise And continue rising with ice crystals and those negatively charged ions they'll collide with the supercooled water in the cloud so say there's not a what we call it a condensation nuclei there needs to be something for anything to freeze on so supercooled water is going to be up in the atmosphere because it's cold but there's nothing for it to make contact with to actually freeze so as we have uh, you know hazy skies, dust particles, it could be legitimately anything in the air for that water to freeze on, if it freezes on the particle, a lot of times it'll break off, like a little ice particle, or, you know, and that's going to have that extra electron, of that collision and coalescence, and it breaks off. So those negatively charged ions will fall as the positively charged ions continue to rise. So you get a battery in the sky with a negative at the bottom and a positive at the top. And as this process continues, as this updraft continues, and you have more and more collisions, and you have those electron negatively charged particles up in the clouds break off, you're going to get those to continue to fall at the base. And then you get those positive at the top. And the next thing you know, you're just charging it up, charging that cloud, charging that cloud. Eventually, it's going to need to exceed breakdown voltage. right? because it has all of this energy so then you get anything from the surface it's it's that that's positively charged because you have that negative charge at the bottom and then you have that positive charge at the surface it needs to have continuity through a channel of air uh so whenever you see things strike a tree compared to the ground it's because those positive charges are going up that tree and it's going to follow that path of least resistance when it makes that breakdown voltage so you
0: really just want? Is it true about the thunder and lightning? The count of the seconds? Yeah, or you is count the seconds. So is about that scientific? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. The so speed of
1: sound is is a constant. Okay. So I believe let's see, uh, about five seconds would be three. Or, uh, five seconds is one mile, I believe. Yeah, one mile is five seconds. So if you see a flash of lightning and you wait fifteen seconds. And you, until you hear it, you know it's three miles away. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and the concept behind that's really interesting as well because of lightning uh, being so quick, spark, boom, just like that. What's happening is that energy is heating the air around that lightning strike so quickly that it makes a sonic boom. And that sonic boom is what you hear.
0: It's breaking the sound barrier because of how fast it heats. Hmm. You should consider, like, look at this. So I, I subscribe to the Sentinel. This whole paper. This is not the whole thing, but this is the weather section. It's a, it's a quarter of the page. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh like, man, I need to get on there. That's I what I'm to, saying. I need like, to start doing in the Sentinel on the side. Like, I feel like you would have a great role writing for a paper or even for your organization, mm-hmm. but just have a segment where you break down something like that. Like, oh, is the urban legend true? Or you count the seconds between or whatever you can come up with. But just explaining these weather phenomenon and doing like small features on them for people to to understand it. Or like understanding the dew point, mm-hmm. understanding pressure, mm-hmm. things like that. Because weather is something that impacts us more than anything. And it's only dedicated... This much in the pa- in the local paper, Isn't and a lot of those things can be explained quite simply. And half of this is like not even where we live, right? It's yeah. like, why do I need to know the temperature in Washington D.C. right now? Right? I, do I? I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. think. I feel like you're the man to like bring this more to life. Maybe, maybe. maybe. If you're listening from the Daily Sun, I'll reach out to you. <laughs> maybe we could work something out. <laughs> How can we see you? Tell us about how people can view you and when your segments are. So
1: let's see. I post on our website every day, westernslopenow.com. And under me, it'll be meteorologist Baird Vince, and it'll have my updated uh, weather forecast for the day. So usually I'll post after I finish those early morning shows. So I try to get a post out at 8 o'clock every day. If you want to know what the weather is going to be like, look at your phone, uh, westernslopenow.com at 8 o'clock, and you can get an idea of what the weather is going to be like specific for this area and when you can expect showers and why you can expect showers and why you could see some potential for lightning and why the temperature is going to change next week. So you drop some knowledge. Exactly. Love that. I mean, people can look at their phone and see
0: exactly what's going to happen, but they don't know why. Yeah, so is like the weatherman going to be irrelevant soon? Like, are you worried about that? Because people have it on their phones, and that's all they care about. Is well, like, well, to be
1: honest, man, I'm just riding this out right now. <laughs> you know, I I literally found out that I moved to was going to move to Western Colorado in one day, and here I am. Okay, you so know? Well,
0: you may not be a weatherman two years from now. Who knows?
1: Maybe not. It just depends. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what life's gonna. Be.
0: Throw at me during that time period yeah that's fair enough you know I mean, okay i'm
1: just gonna take it day by day that's the way to do it take it day by day enjoy what you have every day you know if you start getting out of that rhythm it's easy to slip down a, a, quite a dark path no i agree and, and man you always really, got to
0: make yourself happy yeah and keep reacting to how you're yeah. changing let me broaden the question a bit is there any concern in the weather industry that apps and stuff will ruin their career like in my like ai is a huge threat to writers Mm -hmm. like we're pretty worried about it i mean now it's not so bad but in 10 5 10 years it's like crap yeah do weather weathermen feel that way
1: well as far as the news side of things right now there's a shortage of weather
0: weathermen really yes
1: there's a shortage of good meteorologists on air uh, that's just from people getting burnt out which i understand from Hard news all the time.
0: And you don't like waking up at three a.m. Come on, man. Oh man, I get off at noon <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I'm trying. Like I said, day by day, man. Like yeah. Day by day. But uh,
0: I don't know. So as far as news, the local news
1: crisis is obviously this stuff isn't going to be around forever.
0: Yeah. Well, we're trying to bring it back to Palisade. Yeah. So we're trying to yeah. buck that trend.
1: As far as me though, I, I have the Air Force for my backup. I, I'm I'm chilling. Like I said, I'm going to ride this news thing out. As long as I can because I enjoy it. I don't work a damn day in my life.
0: Who knows? We may see on a New York City channel before in a couple of years. Maybe,
1: maybe. But the overall goal, you know, would be good national news.
0: Maybe storm chaser for the for the weather channel. You should chase a tornado. Yeah. Do you know any people that do that kind of stuff?
1: I've I've been to college
0: with some people that would, like, drive out and do that stuff. I would love to do it. I'd love to shadow a professional storm chaser Mm -hmm. just as a media and do a story on it. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would be like Twister, but that's what I imagine. Uh Uh-huh. And that would be super cool.
1: My thing is, if I were to go do that, I would just... Continually look at data the whole time instead of actually look at the storm itself because I would want to know where it's going. You are a nerd, dude. I am a nerd. 100%. You look at me, man. I work out every day. I'm a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty. Uh, fit guy that if you, you don't know, say so like, yourself. yeah 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 pretty <laughs> I don't know, that shirt's pretty baggy man <laughs> it is it is it is hey, man, this is it's a good old flannel you know can't go wrong with boots jeans and a flannel that's so. right. what time are you on your segment in the morning so we are on at 5 a.m to 7 a.m uh so i go live for a full three minute and 30 second weather every single hour twice I believe yes twice and then I do a weather update for two minutes and then I'll do a first forecast and a final forecast but and then I'll go live for the noon show usually for about three and a half four minutes talking about the weather for that day
0: and will you do the wine weather Wednesday continuing this month or is that over so
1: I'm going to continue it until the end of October awesome it'll be running it for 12 weeks and I believe I'm in week six right now
0: any do you know the wineries they'll be yet Oh, uh, they're working on there's it. There's so many scheduled. That, oh, great!
1: You know, I mean, let's see. Yeah, I can't even tell you where I'm going next week. But that's news for you, man. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll look out for it, man. Yeah, appreciate yeah. you coming by, dude. I I just love your uh, your vibe and your energy that you're bringing to the weather let's I appreciate that man. i think it's really cool i think mm-hmm. we need more of that kind of media here in the valley mm-hmm. so it's awesome to meet you and you just moved here let's be friends yeah let's do it man barrett oh. maybe for you could take by, me
1: uh, backpacking
0: sometimes let's oh, do it, it man yeah. i'm always down oh, for sure thank for you so sure. much for coming buddy yes sir thank you Will. Oh. bye everybody
1: Riding the terrain, flying high up once again. Got my crew sitting healthy and my boo, living wealthy. Level 99, never settle in my mind. So I pedal and I climb up the pedestal and find almighty weapons. So I calm, lightly step into the castle. Satchel, tackle, wrestle. Down the corridor where I'm grounded through the floor. Round house into my core, down, out, and through the door. Sword, down at my side, I gotta round up and ride. Face boss, break jaws till I take off. Face off, stop and swing my series. Strike! This, this is it. Take the title, disappear in the night. To the, the whole wide world. world. Got the keys to the kingdom it's overseas. So With the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm wide hit the wide whole world. World. Slay the boss in the castle when we'll we cross final battle, battle. Then I'll walk down, travel sea, to the whole wide world. World. Got the keys to the kingdom it's overseas. So With the wisdom guarantee I'll that my rhythm, rhythm hit the whole, whole wide world. World. Slay the boss in the castle when we'll we we'll cross final battle. Then I'll walk down, travel
0: sea, to the whole wide Oh